You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, you're holding up a book. You're holding a book up I to know, the camera. It's come, it's come to that. Um, uh, it says read, Kushner, Inc. I'm reading this book on Jared Kushner by Vicki Ward. It's very good. Uh, it has basically everything nasty about Jared. But it, 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 it helped solve one of the mysteries I thought of the Trump administration, which one of the central mysteries is why is he so fucking nice to Russia? Why does he always say nice things about Putin, et cetera, et cetera? You, you know, the resistance has a theory about that, Mickey. Well, they have several theories. Uh, what, which one are you thinking of? Uh, that in return for Russia helping him win the election, he is uh, for, you know, does stuff for them. That's a standard resistance theory, is it not? Oh, no, it's more than that. They have copper mod on him. He's, he's, uh, they have him urinating, watching models I think urinate they've on given up. I, I think the golden they've, shower they've theory it, they've, has, uh, they've, they've, they've cut him in on various future deals. Um, I, I don't buy any of that. But I think the favorite resistance theory is, but, you know, the one I cited. Anyway, what is, well, what, what have you learned in this book? But that's weak too, because they didn't really do that much to help him win the election. Hey, wait, if we're going to, like, turn this into such anyway, a... Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. I just thought this had an interesting theory, which will segue into another topic, I guarantee you. Um, Jeffrey we, Epstein? Because Vicki Ward wrote the uh, Vanity Fair piece right. on Jeffrey Not Epstein. Not Jeffrey Epstein, uh, but uh, because Jared was convinced by MBS and MBZ, the mm-hmm. two Arab The leaders, UAE. MBZ of UAE. And... Yeah, right, and MBS of Saudi Arabia, that Russia would help get Iran out of Syria. Comes up a couple times in the book, and that is not in, an insane theory. I mean, I previously thought that Trump just wanted to build a Trump Tower in Moscow, so he sucked up to Putin. But this is an actual legitimate substantive reason. Uh, and Jared, the one thing that comes out in the book is he's, the only thing he cares about is Israel. So... Uh, if he can do uh, a favor for Israel and help uh, a s- sort of set up this vision for uh, anti-Iranian vision for peace in the Middle East, and Russia's going to help, that's a pretty good reason to suck up to Putin. Now, why couldn't he just say that? Is that enough to explain the mystery of why Trump was so nice to Russia? I don't know, but it's certainly a plausible sort of building block in the theory as to why that is. Before I answer that question, I want to interject that, A, speaking of Israel, of course, uh, today uh, Iran's top nuclear scientist was uh, assassinated, almost certainly by either Israel or an Israeli proxy, uh, possibly with American help, uh, and we I want to talk about that later. The other thing I want to interject is happy birthday to us, or happy anniversary or something. It was 15 years ago this month, 15 years ago, that the first Bob Mickey dialogue aired on the blogging heads tv platform and i want to say a little more about that at the end of the at the end of our conversation okay we're going to try to keep it short today but we are going to try to keep it short because this is our thanksgiving edition when lesser podcasters might just be taking the whole week off we uh, go the extra mile we go the extra mile or half mile in this case i'm gonna i'm gonna start the timer okay how many minutes do we have left before we stop well, I said it in an hour, so well, we have 59 minutes. Okay. Um, now back to – so wait. The idea is that 
Russia said they could get Iran well, out of a, Syria, and that was Ru- so appealing to Trump that, that Russia, that, that MBS and MBZ thought that Russia would be valuable in getting Iran out of Syria. I don't know valuable in what sense. Would they pull strings with Iran or chase them out militarily? I don't know which one. Maybe a uh, combination of yeah, both. Yeah, I mean, I think much optimism on that front probably rests on underappreciating how important it is from Iran's point of view to have Syria as a kind of a buffer state uh, against Israeli aggression and American aggression, although uh, obviously there are some forms of uh, aggression that, that can be inflicted on Iran without mean, without going through Syria. You mean a failure um, of cognitive empathy? Cognitive uh, empathy? I couldn't have said it better than your uh, attractive bird just said it, Mickey. Cognitive empathy, that is one of the dimensions on uh, our well-known progressive realism uh, report card grading system. Well, well, supposedly MBS just chickened out of a strike on Iran. Uh, He had a meeting with Pompeo and Netanyahu where Netanyahu urged a strike on Iran before Trump left office. And... Uh, MBS was worried, A, that this is, this is just from a, a very good story that was actually linked at the top of Drudge, so everybody's read it. Uh, Iran had, had launched attacks on Saudi oil facilities, and he didn't like that, and he was somewhat deterred. And also, he didn't trust Biden to back him up. Once Biden gets in office, you know, why attack Iran if, you're, if there's not going to be any backup in two months? So that makes sense, but it makes sense that he chickened out. Well, then how do you explain this assassination if they're this worried the about second, Biden backup? This was plan B. This was the second best thing that Netanyahu could do if he couldn't get us to attack Iran's nuclear reactors. By the way, you know something I just read on Twitter? I, I thought, you know, when this happened, I thought, you know, actually, Israel is a state sponsor of terrorism. I mean, they will, of course, for well-understood reasons, never actually appear on our official list of state of state sponsors of terrorism, but but this is not the first time they've done things like this. It qualifies as terrorism. And then look at this tweet I saw from uh, John Brennan. As you may know, he used to be director of the CIA. He he, he tweeted uh, within the last hour, I do not know whether a foreign government authorized or carried out the murder of, I can't pronounce the guy's last name, uh, but the Iranian guy. He Then he says, uh, Brennan says, such an act of state-sponsored terrorism would be a flagrant violation of international law and encourage more governments to carry out lethal attacks against foreign officials. Interesting that he's using the phrase state-sponsored terrorism. I mean, he know who he knows who he's subtweeting. He knows he's talking about Israel. Um, and so I'm just, you know, I'd just like to nominate him for uh, CIA head in the, in the Biden administration. You, you didn't bring that up in your conversation with Bill Crystal. Uh, Israel well, how many things sta- are we going to get into here? I Israel, Israel's state sponsor of terrorism would have been a good topic. Yeah, I was a little, in some respects, gingerly in my conversation well, with Bill we'll, Crystal. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that. we'll get to that either here or in the parrot so, room, depending any, on when, anyway, when the time. I just thought that was a useful. I I I I, I thought these these geopolitical concerns, even if they're completely bogus. Uh, you know, the, there are some loose ends from the Trump presidency, and the mystery of Putin is one of them. Yeah, but, it, you know, the funny thing is, it's not as big a mystery as people say, because Trump has not been as accommodating Russia as the resistance would like to think. I mean, he he did provide arms uh, to the Ukrainian government, which, uh, you know, another president might not have done. Obama didn't do it. 
Um, and of course, he tried to hold it up as leverage to get you know them to investigate Joe Biden. But um, but the fact is, he did it, and and I, you know he's levied some sanctions, I think, and so on. So so he hasn't exactly been a Russian puppet. He does speak respectfully about Putin, but I think that predates his presidency. I just think he likes. Uh, authoritarians on horseback, shirtless authoritarians on horseback. Also, sucking up is his way of of seeking influence. So if he does want Russia to cooperate on some things, it's perfectly plausible that he would just suck up mercilessly in public. Mm -hmm. But it it became dysfunctional at some point. At some point, if he'd said something nasty about Putin, it would have gone a long way to help him. Uh, So... There, there also was this uh, thing that people said were he was doing Russia's bidding by destroying the planes that uh, that we use for the Open Skies Treaty. Uh, but if you read the story further, I think Rachel Maddow made a big deal of this. Uh, if you read the story further, they were going to replace those planes anyway. They just didn't get budgetary authority. And the main thing that's on the planes aren't so special. It's the software and the gizmos that they they stick mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. So that was less of a doing Putin's bidding than it seemed to be at, at first blush. But I agree with you. Uh, thank you for defending Trump on this. It's, you know, there, there, I hope there are not many more weeks in which I can defend President Trump. Yeah. I figured I should take advantage of the – do you think – do you think uh, – Trump's hopes for a second term are now dead, 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 or just you're going to come up with the the, the fucking betting markets <laughs> still have them at three percent. Yes, they're dead, dead, dead. Actually, weirdly, the the betting markets went from three percent to like seven percent uh, a couple of days ago, and I was puzzled as to why. I've I've since learned that you might be able to explain some of this. As the, a couple of things. A, they're thinly traded now, more thinly traded, so it takes less money to move the needle. And B, apparently there's some way that people who bet on Biden and want to get their money now rather than wait until it's official, uh, can, I guess, via a, a bet on Trump, somehow basically get their, their money now, go liquid now. And, I don't understand how it works, but but I was I, I got this from an, an extremely smart professional better who actually talked to people at Betfair, one of the main oh. sites. So um, so there's that. But I don't I, I continue to this this addiction I can't shake of listening to the Bannon podcast continues to haunt me um, because they ain't given up. I mean, Bannon. As of Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, by the way, was still guaranteeing 100% certainty Trump will be the next president. We got this. We got this, as he says. The deplorables have got this. So (laughs) I I won't rest until Bannon himself finally lays down the sword. There's a lot lot of good stuff on Bannon in this book, too. Um, Although... He's not always right. I had thought he'd always been right. You mean Bannon uh, or B- Bannon in the White House that he was a pretty good advisor well, in the White House. Jared would wouldn't Jared highlight Bannon's mistakes? Aren't they weren't they adversaries? 
Well, right, but Jared didn't talk to this author. This is all sourced source oh, oh, via Bannon. Oh, yeah, I'm confused. I'm sorry. Bannon's, Bannon's the person who blasts all the reporters, and he's only 80% accurate. So, um, What was he wrong about? <sighs> God, I forget. I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah, that's uh, the, uh, I think every once in a while we should give ourselves a little Biden test. Give each other a little Biden test. Um, no, it's, I, 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 I'll come up with it at some point, but... The main thing he was right about was firing Comey. That was all Jared's initiative. And Biden and Bannon said it would be a disaster, and it was a disaster. So Who knows, point, though? I mean, you know, the impeachment wound up possibly helping Trump get out the vote. It didn't It didn't work out, certainly, the way the resistance had planned. Who knows how these things play out? But, you know, but if he hadn't had the impeachment, he might have been a more effective president instead of obsessing about Mueller. So um, let me just say, by the way, that one thing I've come away with from these Bannon podcasts is he is a first class demagogue. He's really he's good. He's good. It's a good thing. Trump is not as skilled as he is. I mean, he's you know, he's dishonest. He's horrible, but he is he is skilled. Nope. Anyway, I think Trump is here to stay. uh, Trump is gone. He'll be gone on January 20th, if not before. And uh and uh, we're at the pardon stage. And there's some interesting pardons. Our first Epstein connection of the week uh, would be the possible pardon for Jelaine Maxwell. I don't quite see it because it would be it would be one thing. People would immediately assume that Jelaine had some goods on Trump. So that would sort of set the tone for his next the next four years of his life. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think he wants. Uh, and also, I don't think it would help Jelaine that much because surely she violated state laws and Trump can't give a pardon for state laws. So she spends the rest of her time, uh, you know, traipsing from Florida to New York, answering to state prosecutors. I don't think that helps her that much. I don't see Trump wanting to pardon her. The big the big one would be Jared's father, Charlie Kushner, who... If you read this oh, that book, will pr- that will probably happen. Yeah. He, if you read this, well, since Jared is in charge of the pardons, I would say he has got a good shot. He's got an inside <laughs> track here. Um, but, uh, this book goes heavily into Charlie Kushner, and he is a piece of work. Uh, you know that Adam Sandler movie about the New Jersey jeweler? Haven't seen it. It's it's a it's a a very well-crafted movie that I hated because all the characters were completely unappealing, mm-hmm. including Adam Sandler, and you're supposed to root for him. And he comes from this New Jersey Jewish uh, business culture that does not seem to have all that many, at least in the movie, all that many attractive qualities. They give him they give him ten seconds with his daughter at a dinner where he's a good he's a he's a human being, right? And the rest of it is all rapacious horribleness. Um, and Charlie Kushner seems to, you know, everybody hated each other, yet they go to the weddings and they have to kiss and and be nice to each other. And they're, you know, it ended, of course, with Charlie Kushner hiring a, prosti- hiring a prostitute to seduce a witness who I think was his brother-in-law who was testifying, going to testify against him. And that, of course, became the main charge against him. He sent his sister the right. tape. On the, her, her son's wedding day, I think, or something like a that. A tape of her husband. He sent his sister a tape of her husband 
uh, have having Blow sex job. with a prostitute. You didn't have to, Mickey. We don't need that I think level it's an of graphic detail. I think it's an important nuance. Okay. I'd assume um, there was much worse. Like, for example, no, 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 don't go there, don't go there. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, like that's just not the kind of wedding present a sister wants, you know, yeah. uh, or needs. But, but that's the kind of guy uh, Jared's father is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. Jared turned out as well as he did. That is, that is, and his brother yeah. seems to have turned out okay too. Uh, Although one of the one of the things that I think is interesting is uh, he and his brother supposedly have a secret profit sharing agreement. His brother apparently is much more successful than he is. His brother starts a bunch of startups. Um, well, no, but lead- hasn't hasn't Jared kind of lapped him by becoming this this potentate in the White House? Come on, nobody's heard not, of his brother not financially. I don't think no. Oh, I think I suspect um, that he'll come out of this uh, uh, with uh, an, as much liquidity as a man it, really anyway, needs. Anyway, it raises the question of what other, what other arrangements there are. In other words, uh, does does Jared have some way of funneling money that he makes to Trump, for example, mm-hmm. or to, through Ivanka, or so? Who know if they have secret agreements to funnel money? Who the hell knows what's going on? That's my point. Who does? So, Mickey, if we if the timer is running, maybe we should talk a little about the week's news. Your interview with Bill Crystal? No, that's, that's I not what I had in mind. The um, well, there was this big Supreme Court ruling. It was a not a big Supreme Court ruling. It was a per curiam opinion. The one about religious institutions. Yeah, yeah. It, that's not big. It's being taken as a big indicator of you know the the the. The Barrett well, court. if you read Sean Trent's Twitter feed, he ex- the 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 Gors- it was a Gorsuch opinion that's getting all the press because it's very pointed and snarky. But that wasn't the opinion. The opinion was just a per curiam opinion of the court, which basically said y- you can't treat religious institutions worse than other institutions. At least the First Amendment freedom of religion implies that, and that seems perfectly reasonable. So I don't see what the big deal is. So wait, it the, wasn't the, ba- the, the the big deal would be if they carved out some special exception. No, you can't do this thing to churches, even though you can do it to anybody else. That would be a big deal. This this so it wasn't about freedom accessible. of religion per se. It was more about freedom of assembly, or what? No, it was about freedom of religion, but it said you can't discriminate. You can't have a. You can't. The problem was they have a capacity limit on churches, but not on other things. Okay, right. You can't have a rule that's worse for churches. Than other organizations similarly situated, at least freedom of religion says that, which makes a certain amount of sense. So they have to, they either have to put the capacity limitations on other things, or they have to have some other rule that can apply equally. It's like an equal protection clause for religion. I agree, it will mm-hmm. produce a lot of litigation. I deny that it's a big deal. I mean, there is the the fact that not all assemblies are created equal in the sense of. Um, you know, in churches they sing, and that's a, well. They can have a no singing rule. I hate yeah. the singing. Yeah. So you don't think this is a big? You don't think this is a big deal? It's not a big deal. It's the press is making it. Oh, Amy Comey Barrett. Right. We're all we're heading for the Handmaid's Tale. No. Well, it it does signify something we all kind of knew that that uh, Roberts is no longer the, the swing vote. Right. And that's you know worth noting. Um. 
And then there is uh, what what? Oh, and in Trump stuff, I thought I thought another kind of overblown headline was Trump says he will step down if uh, he loses the vote in the Electoral College. I don't think he had ever there had ever been any grounds for thinking otherwise. He had never said otherwise. I mean, he's being a jerk, but uh, and and as you know, I think a very dangerous jerk is damaging uh, democracy more every day. But I, I don't think there was. He had never hinted that he wouldn't abide by the, the verdict of the Electoral College. I mean, all all of his maneuvering right now is designed to manipulate the outcome within in the Electoral College. Good point. Thank you. Because um, that was like the lead the lead story on the Washington Post site. You're, you've defended Trump twice now. I am nothing if go. not fair. I am nothing if not fair, Mickey. We need to go for the trifecta. So would you like? Would you? Yeah. Okay. Can I talk about your interview with Crystal now? You, well, let's at least uh, talk a little more about this assassination. This will be a good segue. What, what is this, this Washington Week in Review? Yeah. We have to I go never... down the headlines and have informed reporters comment on the news? We're not you know, informed as, reporters. When I was like in my 20s, I, I, I looked worshipfully upon the people who – on Washington Week in Review, which was this PBS show that's presumably defunct by now on Friday nights when, you know, you would get these it's like... Not defunct. It's read by Robert Costa of the Washington Post. Oh, you could do worse what? than that, I guess, if you're trying to keep it alive. That's not boy, bad. Was that, boy, was that a diss. No, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's quite good. I, mean, I don't like all the stuff he's been writing lately, but but he's a pretty good guy. Um, I have a... I have a... Uh, I have a... I have a unpopular opinion about uh, Washington Week in Review. That it's good? I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's good. They have that some it, good once, people that it was once good? That it was about to get really good under Ken Bodie, and then they fired him and replaced him with Gwen Eiffel, and that was, uh, then it became what it is, which is okay. Whatever happened to Ken Bodie? I think he became a journalist and professor in Ohio or something like that, or Indiana. But I can barely he, picture him. Did he, he wear a bow tie? I don't know. He had glasses. Same I, thing. They had me on once, and I and and they, I was all primed to say something about welfare, and then at the last minute, I decided it was bullshit, and I said something else. So they can't. That's one thing they will not abide if you like. If I had a worse experience. Don't, don't do what they they expect you to do. I had a so. worse experience than that on TV. Can I just quickly tell you? And that it was, was so under bad. Ken Bodie. Maybe that's why they fired Ken Bodie. I had the worst experience in the world. Uh, I was on when Chris Hayes had his Sunday show before he moved to weeknights on MSNBC. Right. They, they like, you know, they drive me in, you know, hour long drive in a limousine as they do for their guests and stuff. Right. And like, and they were going to bring me on after the commercial break and they put these headphones on you so you can hear the show, but then they're getting you ready and they're like talking to you. So you can't, right. you can't focus. Right. And then I and then I sat down and he asked me a question that presupposed my comprehension of what they right. had been talking about. I had no idea. Yeah. It was like it was so bad. It was like the uh well That's their fault, not your fault. Tell Damn that it. to the viewing public, which now thinks I'm a total anyway. Well shortcuts to the truth. So um can we talk uh, the the assassination is a little bothersome, I, th I think, for one thing, flagrant violation of international law. Um, and it's an attempt to, uh, you know, keep I, I, by common, by conventional reckoning, uh, by people I trust who know more about this than I do. 
it is an attempt by Israel to prevent Joe Biden and probably by Trump, who, who almost certainly uh, had, uh, you know, signed off on it, I would guess. But um, an attempt to, to make it harder for Joe Biden to resurrect the Iran nuclear deal that Trump abandoned. Um, that could happen in any number of ways. Uh, if, if Iran retaliates and you get a war, that would certainly impede return to the deal. But it could also just be that it makes it harder for Iran to be accommodating in negotiations as a political matter. Once, once you've had this done to you, uh, and, and remember, you know, to a lot of people in Iran, I mean, they think of there being this kind of Israeli American axis, uh, th- that is bent on their, uh, destruction. And so, um, you know, even if it's technically Israel did the assassination and it's the U.S. that's asking for the concessions or whatever they're asking for the negotiations, you know, it's still it's kind of all coming from this from the same place, at least in 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 the view of a of a lot of people in Iran, and and that makes it harder for the leadership, possibly the leadership, but but in any event, that makes it harder for the leadership to be accommodating. So one way or another, it's. BB and probably Trump, you know, meddling in advance with with the Biden administration, and I think it's a test of Biden. I, I you know, I, I I don't think he has said anything about it yet, but if he, you know, maybe he'll surprise me and say I condemn this unequivocally and I reiterate my commitment to restore the nuclear deal. But I'd be that would be a pleasant surprise if he was. It, what, if he, what's the downside for him for saying that? Well, I don't know. There's just, there's just people just, you know, tiptoe around Israel habitually in Washington. They just, yeah, but you they know. usually do that before the election. The election is now over. Well, that's certainly true. It should be easier now, and that's why it's not that hard a test to pass. Now, maybe he's already said something. I haven't looked at Twitter. He could also in a, in a say, "I condemn hours. this," and secretly say, t- "Say Israel, don't worry about it." I, you know, I don't really condemn it. I mean, there's hundreds of things he could do that don't seem that difficult. We'll see. I mean, let's check in next week and see if he did them. I agree with you. Shouldn't be that hard. There are other gut checks for Biden on the horizon. That's like one what? of them. Well, Bruce Reed, who was who I have the greatest respect for, was up for OMB director, and the left is campaigning against him. I saw because, that because he's a deficit hawk, which is exactly who you want at OMB. I mean, it's the they're supposed to be the green eye shade budget cutters who prevent the government from becoming a bloated, you know, carcass of waste. And uh, so why not a deficit cutter, even if we don't care that much about deficits? And and B, he was uh, staff director of the Simpson-Bowles Commission, which proposed some cuts in Social Security. And I went and looked them up and they're actually I, I had thought that they were pretty severe cuts that I disagreed with. They're pretty mild cuts, raising the retirement age to 68 uh, lowering cost of uh, benefit increases for up, you know, for the middle and high, high income recipients of Social Security, they were fairly responsible cuts. And at some point, I mean, I'm all for not cutting, not destroying the Social Security framework, but at some point, you know, reality is going to set in, and you have to make some adjustments. And they weren't crazy adjustments. So, uh, a gut check for Biden is wh- whether he'll be intimidated by these ragtag groups on the left into not appointing Bruce uh, at OMB, if that's if that's what Bruce wants to do. But let me I ask just, you. Yeah, go ahead. Me saying nice things about Bruce isn't doing him any favors. So I should say he's way to my left, just way to my left. 
You should say that. Uh, he likes, he's good friends with E.J. Dion. He's way to my left. <laughs> wow, that's really far to your left. Let's okay. No, let's go further and say he's good friends with John Judas. Let's go that far. As Ju- Judas is to the right of E.J. now, I suspect. Is he? Oh, yeah. Why not? John Judas worked it in these times. Back True. in the day. Sometimes, Bob, we go so far left, we're right. It is ultimately a circle, isn't it, Mickey? Isn't it all a circle? And aren't we all in it? Why can't we get along? So, Mickey, Uh, uh, here's my question. You said uh, eventually they'll have to, I forget the phrase, reckon with reality or something on a deficit. My question is, do they? And, or at least, do people believe that anymore? I mean, it just seems to me that conventional reckoning has gone out the window. I mean, at this point, you know, given given the way we've had to respond to the pandemic, which I think we did have to do. In fact, I think we need to do more. But um, it's just like all past expectations about how much deficit spending you could get away with have gone totally out the window and how much you could get away with probably on the monetary front. I mean, I don't understand quantitative easing, but I know there's been a lot of it. And, and it's well, it, when it gets you close to negative interest rates – I don't I, – I don't know. These are two different issues, but don't you think there are now people – don't you think it is taken more seriously than ever that actually you just don't have to worry about deficits? Oh, sure. Well, that's been happening for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, ever since uh, – I don't know. Ever, and, since, ever, ever since we ran huge deficits and inflation didn't happen, and I, I believe Krugman was a big uh, – advocate of that and there are people who say just you wait inflation will happen but it hasn't happened and uh it all has to do with modern monetary theory which i don't understand and i think krugman doesn't understand either he's written about it what the hell are you talking about the upshot uh, is you can get away with more than we thought i think get, that's the upshot a, of modern yeah, monetary the, theory. modern monetary theory is basically you can get away with murder and krugman has written to the major monetary theory modern monetary theory saying can you really get away with murder? I mean, don't we have to bring the deficit in at some point? And I forget what her answer was. But um, so, yeah, but but the, the Medicaid deficit, the Medicare deficit, and the Social Security deficit is handleable, but the Medicare deficit is just gigantic, and it's hard to believe you could, you could just let that program run through the baby boomer generation without any reforms at all. That's too bad, because as you know, I want Joe Biden to go to Georgia and say, I I promise to uh, lower the Medicare threshold to age 55 if I control the Senate, which is to say, if you elect two That would be very smart of him. Don't give him any ideas. It's very important that that the Republicans win in Georgia. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, Biden's going to ram through a nation-breaking amnesty. Right. Uh, Okay. But, you know... Speaking of this, well, speaking of all of this, I I do think the Biden administration is kind of doomed, right? I mean, I don't want to be sound gloomy, but in the sense that, A, first of all, you would think if there is such a thing as a fiscal reckoning that's possible in this universe, if there is such thing as too much deficit spending, too much monetary easing, and eventually you you pay for it in some uh, kind of cataclysmic way— it's going to happen during the next four years, right? If that's possible in this universe, it will happen in the next four years, A. And B, you know, if Biden doesn't control the Senate, and he probably won't, 
unless my uh, sage political guidance gets to his ears, um, the, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to get anything done. And so the, whichever Trumpist opposes him, uh, is going to be able to say, see, we told you he can't do shit. He, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything about health care. You know, because remember, Mitch McConnell, it's not just that it's inherently hard for a Democratic president to get things done with the Republican Senate. Mitch McConnell is known to have the philosophy. He is, he has expressed it almost in so many words that he is happy to subvert the national interest to the larger goal of keeping a Democratic president from being reelected. He virtually said that about Obama and he, and he, and he behaved. Oh, in he just said he was going to block everything. And it, but no, he said my goal is didn't did he not say my goal is to keep Obama from being reelected? Did he not say that? Right, he's the opposition party. Well, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, who has admitted that in the past? You may say that was their actual goal, but if you want to look like a reasonably responsible public servant, you're supposed to at least say, "Look, when I see a piece of legislation, I ask, is it in the public interest? Not, will it help the president get reelected? That's what you're supposed to say." Um, he would say getting stopping the president from being reelected was in the public interest, uh, and overrides it. And I'm sure when when laws came up, he he pretended to address them on the merits. But um, so, so you do not think the Biden administration is doomed for reasons? No, I've there's just a very out? good there's a very good essay by Chris Caldwell in the New Republic. Yes, the New Republic. Of the all New places. Republic is, sorry. I said, of all places, who would expect it's to back. see the New Chris Republic Caldwell. is back. This was a really good essay. Um, this is the uh, even in the New Republic. New Republic. Even the New Republic says. Even what? the new. What did new, he say? Even the new New Republic published a Trump sympathetic essay, which basically said that Biden coalition was doomed uh, because you have all these different factions, and they they're all really only held together by the desire to get. Trump out. That wasn't the well. well the that, key, that wasn't the key part of the key part of the of the piece. But uh, well, but this is he why basically, he basically thinks they're doomed. I think uh, expectations are so low; it's hard to believe he can't. Biden can't well, exceed them. First of all, if he doesn't, if the Democrats don't control the Senate, it almost doesn't matter whether they dissolve in the absence of the unifying force of Trump. But if they do control the Senate, I would recommend. That Biden uh, dangled the the horrifying uh, prospect of a of the looming return of Trumpism to you know say look Trump may be gone he may run for reelection but even if he doesn't there will be some Trump like figure that wants to speak for Trumpism we must stick together. But what's that so terrible be... about Trumpism without Trump? Well, You're, to, to, to his a... coalition, it means it means. Uh, Immigration restrictionism and even cruel immigration restrictionism, which they don't like. I mean, you're you're, you're imagining that it has. Um, I mean, it depends on what you mean by Trumpism. I, I thought guess. immigration was a trivial issue that I was over obsessed with. Well, uh, the Democrats, and again, I don't know. This is an interesting question because I don't know how much of this to attribute to the presence of Trump as a unifying force, but they're has been over the last four years pretty much consensus, I think, on the Democratic side that you don't want to give uh, much more than an inch on immigration, right? I mean, that's the way they've talked. Well, they've gone, they've gone way to the left, yeah. But, that's um, what I mean. 
And and but, uh, and I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that reflects the bulk of the voters. It reflects the party. Oh, I agree. I, you're, I, so you're it, saying that Biden can say something that will alarm the party. Trumpism without Trump is coming, and that will alarm the activists and the organizers of the Democratic Party. But how does that alarm the voters? Well, what, what are the is voters called, terrified I, of what Trump did on immigration? Apparently not. Well, what is Caldwell's scenario? I mean, first of all, is he assuming control of the Senate? How, how does this play out? That he, the he's, absence- written, he's written before. He, the, he, 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 I, I think his scenario is that they dissolve into backbiting, and he, he ignores the fact that the Republicans may dissolve into backbiting too. And immigration is the perfect issue for Biden because it splits the Republican coalition. That's why – that's probably one reason why he told uh, – Lester Holt, that immigration, the, one of the first things he'll do is send a comprehensive immigration bill to Congress uh-huh. within the first hundred days. It, a, it splits the Republican coalition. B, uh, you know, as Trump recedes, immigration becomes more unpopular. People were like against the wall and for immigration just because Trump was for the wall and against immigration. As Trump recedes, it'll, it'll go back to where it was, meaning people will be more restrictionist. And uh, and see, it was a campaign promise, so that'll keep people happy. So um, he's just sending the bill, not saying it'll pass. So it's um, uh, you know, he the answer is the Caldwell essay doesn't address that much. It mainly talks about it. It talks about the whole election in Marxian terms of the the you know very similar to Ron Brownstein of the uh, you know the the sophisticated new economy of the urban centers is basically stomping on the bucolic deplorables of, of rural areas. And he has a very, very sort of pessimistic view. He points out that anytime we've had economic growth that has basically swept up a majority of the population, but leaves some people behind, the people that left behind don't get included in the economy. They get stomped. He sees the civil war in that context. It was the, it was the, uh, prosperous north stamping out the outdated economy agricultural economy of the south but i uh, i thought the whole point was the south was they were actually happy with the state of play with the way things were they just didn't want the north interfering not not that they I wanted that's radical not, change that's not what he says I don't, i'm not sure it's the right analogy but the point is he he he, he sees it as uh the result of the forces of production which i think is correct uh, which is the Marxist way of looking at it, where he differs from Brownstein is, he says, Brownstein also thinks identity politics is a, is a big part of the future Democratic coalition. And uh, that I think that's, A, that's not necessarily true. Look at the last election where Latinos drifted to Trump. And B, it's it's wrong. I think identity politics is bad. So well, Brownstein, it- Brownstein shouldn't advocate it. And C, Brownstein is very moralistic about how the noble... You know, the, the noble uh, libertines of the cities are trumping out the uneducated deliverance people in the deplorable areas. And Caldwell points out that that's snotty. Well, I think in any event, as far as identity politics goes, there will be a battle within the party about the role it should play. I mean, I think it should play less of a role than it's played, as you know. But, but yeah. that'll be a fight. I, I think he's basically right that internal contention will be one of the problems afflicting Biden. And and I just think there's going to be a lot of them. I think the the most reasonable expectation 
is that he will have a very difficult time of things for the reasons I've outlined and Caldwell has outlined and so yeah. on. I don't know why you would expect what is the what is the argument that that he it's smooth sailing for him. I don't see that. The argument that it's the, no, I just smoother than expected. It mainly involved lowering expectations. You know, right. McConnell knows Biden. He's worked with him for years. This, it's possible that they could do some sort of deal that Obama and McConnell couldn't do just because of personal rapport and because Biden is a much better deal maker than Obama. And, uh, you know, Obama would lecture people in meetings. Biden is probably unlikely to do that where it's counterproductive. I, I do, I do think, uh, uh Obama didn't do a good job on congressional relations, yeah. and he kind of uh, he, he he relied on Biden to do the heavy lifting when it was necessary. So, so what what did you think of the cabinet picks that were unveiled? You really don't want me to talk about your interview with Crystal, do you? It, it ties in with what we were just talking about, okay? Okay, jump to it. So what? look, I have a backstory. But so you watch. I did this interview with Bill Crystal, who as regular, well, as people intimately familiar with my views may know, is. Something of a bet noir is that the word for me? Bet noir, white whale. Yes. No, it means black beast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or I my white that. whale. No, I had more than one white whale. He would be one of them. He would be in my herd of my fleet of whales. But yeah. um, the uh, so I got kind of railroaded into doing this conversation with him. I had written, you know, I periodically written unflatteringly about him, and one some a guy who had worked for him at the Weekly Standard. And I guess follows my stuff and, and I think even watches these podcasts, uh, uh, suggested to REA of Blogging Heads TV that I was being unfair to him. So I should have this conversation with him. I took that to mean uh, he should get his day in court. I should let him respond to my criticisms. So I actually went back and looked at the last couple of things I'd written and, and, and the various, uh, kind of parts of his past they had, they had dwelt on, uh, in, in a critical way. And, but then it turned out when I, uh, when Crystal and I met on Zoom right before taping that he wasn't aware that this was the purpose of the conversation. He wasn't even really aware of these criticisms. But at that point, I had, I want, I was, you know, primed to go. So I proceeded with that. And I it think went it, fine. I thought I looked kind of weird, actually, but, uh. You look slightly obsessed on a couple of little things, well, but. That, that, but you got him to concede that he was wrong on the little things, so it was fine. Well, they represented big things. They see. I understand. What, what, what was weird was it seemed like I had gone back and dug up this thing that the Weekly Standard did when he was editor in chief. Well, no, this had been mentioned. I, I first came across it when it appeared when I was writing a piece in the New York Times about the same thing, and then in one of these recent critical of Crystal pieces I'd written, I had. Re- Preased, reprised that, whatever. So that was part of my recent indictment of, of Chris. So I just went back and looked at I these think, two pieces I'd recently written. But I agree, it looked like I had I, I had done this assiduous uh, analysis, and that's what he thought. He said, "Well, obviously you've gone through every volume of the Weekly yeah. Standard." I said, "No, I don't. I never read that." Rad, anyway, man. He, he said, "Yes, those things were bad, but I like the. I'm not. You know, so we make mistakes. <laughs> that's basically what happened." A, a couple things. A, did you know you? You had an attack on Tom Cotton. Yes. You know his son works for Tom Cotton. Crystal's son was legislative director for Tom yeah. Cotton after Crystal helped Cotton uh, get into the Senate, much, much as Crystal's son-in-law and now was Crystal editor of Free tur- Beacon. Now that, after- tur- now that Crystal has turned against Cotton, is his son still working for Cotton? I think I don't. So. I doubt it. I doubt it. 
Uh, no, you know, it was a while ago that he installed him as legislative director. Yeah, it was two years ago, or whatever the the title was. Yeah, I, um, I talk with I talk with the guy. He's really smart. I talk with him about immigration. So you mean Crystal or the son? Crystal's son. So he's perfectly qualified to do the legislative. Well, then why don't you know what he's doing for a living now? Because I haven't. You sort of imply he's quit lately. I talked with him a couple of years. I, ago. I don't know. He could still and, be there. Anyway, the big thing you never address the elephant in the room, which is. Isn't Wait, this all? Did... Isn't this all about Israel, Bill? Isn't everything you do about Israel? Uh, he, he probably has a good response to it, and he sort of got hinted at it. But yeah. I would—you didn't phrase it that boldly. Well, I kind of got into it. I mean, I first said, "Haven't you been infinitely malleable on domestic policy and changed your views right. constantly no, in an attempt to always assemble whatever coalition would support and, your foreign policy?" And, he and know, then later. I got. I, I I asked him. Was not Israel part of right. your motivation? Right. I, now, and he it was, admits it. So, okay, but but it was because he had a good I, answer. He had a good answer. Okay, but the reason, if I didn't get into it more directly, it was because I felt awkward about our asymmetry of expectations. And I would feel awkward too. Look, I got but, into shit nobody's ever gotten into with Bill the Crystal. Point of okay, blogging heads is to talk about the moose in the, the moose, room. The moose. Something anyway. that. Something that, by the way, Pinchito doesn't do as much as. Right. Didn't didn't we decide that that's the new name Pinchito, for the late... not Panchito. I said Pinchito. Oh, I thought you said Panchito. Okay. No, that's the name for the. Um, that's the name we have Pinchito given to the current Salzburger, and it's gonna stick. I, I went back and and reminded myself of how what complete lack of balls he had in the James uh, Bennett, uh, fracas. Yes. Um, I co-sign. So, Pinchito is good. I sign off on Pinchito. But, um, but, but can I just say, can I just say, I believe I asked Bill Crystal questions that no one has ever asked him in public. I didn't, I didn't dwell. It wasn't, you know, my it was a good discussion. It. it was a good discussion. But here's my problem with the discussion. Okay. Bill Crystal says they're talking about, we were talking about what happens to the Republican Party after Trump. And, and you brought up like Josh Hawley. And he said, we can't have Josh Hawley because he would, there's something horrible about Josh Hawley, even with Trump absent, uh, that Crystal hates. And okay. what is it? What is it that these Republicans after Trump would be proposing that would be so awful? I actually don't know what it is, aside from the fact that previously they had supported Trump. What well, policy they're proposed are they proposing? And it's clearly not just Israel. Well, that the Trump and you agree are so terrible. I don't get it. What what is Crystal so scared of? What what what's the issue? Is it immigration? Can't be immigration. No, but Crystal actually was against the Gang of Eight bill, so he was no. pretty solid on immigration. Maybe he's changed again, but uh, uh, I don't think immigration is a big deal for him. So is it just populism per se? Is it? It can't be taxes because he he didn't mind the tax cuts. It can't be the Supreme Court. He doesn't mind the the appointments to the Supreme Court. It can't be environmental policy. I can't believe he gives a shit about environmental policy. What is it about populist Republicans without Trump that so upsets Bill Crystal? Well, hasn't he, first of all, staked out the position that Trump's ideology is a problem and not just Trump the person? I mean, but I why? Mean, Since I don't Trump's, know, but I don't know. The objectionable part about Trump's ideology is that it's a, it's a cult of the personality and whatever I, I embodied, you know, the good. Hey, you get rid of that. You have a bunch of policies. What's so terrible about it? Well, I, I don't know. 
I mean, is it true that Hawley could be? I don't know anything about Hawley um, uh, much anyway. They, but but is it is it true that Hawley could not be relied upon to be a hawkish on foreign policy and be particularly supportive of Israel? Well, if that's it's entirely possible. Yeah, he he is Tom Cotton well, without. Well, he is the less hawkish version of Tom. Cotton. Well, that's your answer. Why but, why are you so, so mystified? It would be good to smoke out that answer. That, that oh, that was my question. failing. That you means know, you're if he asking that. That would mean it's all about Israel. I God, can't you, believe it's all about Israel. You are a tough crowd. I mean, I take Bill Crystal interrogations where no man has taken them before, and I, I get shit from Mickey Kaus. I'll tell you another another failing in that conversation was when <laughs> he said, I said, and uh, you know, I kind of suggested that he supported uh, Sarah Palin for vice president, um, uh, because she presumably was, uh, you know, he was happy with her foreign policy, and she said, and he said, I never discussed foreign policy with her, and I should have said, and you did not infer anything about her foreign policy from the fact that she has an Israeli, she had an Israeli flag in her office, even though she was governor of Alaska and not of Israel. Um, but I didn't say that. I refrained. I refrained from saying it. That was all fine. Anyway, I just think the, the, the question is: all these people, these never Trumpers, are continuing their their jihad even after Trump is gone. Apparently, solely on the grounds that people, some people, didn't agree with them and they supported Trump, uh, and that seems like really weird. And, 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 you know, obsessive and Inspector Javert like, uh, once Trump is gone, let's, let's talk about Tom Hawley's, about Josh Hawley's policies and Tom Cotton's policies and, you know, and, uh, heaven forbid, uh, some other people's policies. Uh, the former governor of South Carolina, who's Nikki Haley. Yeah. Not completely gone Biden yet. Uh, uh, talk about their policies and, and, and not, you know, where, where were you in, in 2020? Did you support Trump and you're verboten, you're blacklisted if you did? Nikki uh, Haley is probably Crystal's ideal presidential candidate, don't you think? It may be, that could be it too. It may be he's pissing on Josh Hawley just because he likes Nikki Haley, yeah. Anyway, anyway you, you know, that, I remember, I, I remember a long time ago, John Judas, said to me, you know, I was, he was at some speaking gig or something and he said, yeah, and Bill Crystal was, was, was part of it. And I, I met Bill Crystal. He's a nice guy. And I thought, I don't ever want to think Bill Crystal's a nice guy. He came but off he, as a nice, but, but he, he was came a, perfectly off as a nice, nice guy, guy in the interview. He did, he, he did well for himself nice in the interview. Yeah. He, he handled it well. He was a nice guy, but yeah. I will, I will not relent in my, uh, crusade to defeat okay. his, his, uh, ideology. We're now we're now done with my digression, so we can talk about the cabinet picks if you want. Yeah, briefly. What do you think? Well, who are you talking about? Yellen seems fine. I, I've always thought highly of her. She seems a responsible person. No, wait. Remind uh, me, she's Treasury, right? So, what does she represent ideologically? Uh, I think putting employment first in the in the setting of fiscal and monetary policy, and leaning in the direction of more jobs, mm-hmm. maybe at a higher risk of inflation. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They can't even reach the inflation goals that they're trying for, so that's less of an issue. But uh, there's some feud between her and Larry Summers where they claim that Summers was sexist. That just seems all bullshit and should be ignored. But 
But she seems fine. I think it's Summers was sort of shut out, apparently. The thing that got him fired as president of Harvard uh, continues to follow him wherever he goes, I yeah. think. On the other hand, he's the guy who first proposed the secular stagnation theory, which sort of is part of the rejiggering of how everybody thinks about interest rates. So mm. he's uh, maybe he's better off as a professor at Harvard, but he, he he's the one who intellectually pioneered the paradigm shift. But he's widely considered a jerk. A jerk. <clears throat> who else? Was, who else? He's very. He's. I don't think he's a jerk. He's. He has some I sort said, of a- Asperger's thing. I said where, widely considered. Yeah, I, I have no yeah. opinion on the man. He has. He has, He's. He has some Asperger's thing. Like I ran into him, and he said, uh, "Mickey, you're not looking well." No, he said, "Mickey, didn't you used to pretend to be a serious person?" <laughs> See, that's not Asperger's. That is a trollish instinct. He is a troll by nature. No, it's it, he says he, he he's. He, I, I took it as, as not an unfriendly comment. It was like it was <laughs> like you know it was like a fuck you bro comment. It was like a Jewish. Oh, I see. Version of the dozen. Oh, then it was a joke. Yeah, but, but no, it was mind. also what he thought. There was a serious point about it underneath it. The truest things are said uh, in jest, Mickey. But I it, I like the fact that he came out with his his true innermost thought. Without any filter at all, there's just no ad. There's no pretense. There's no affect. There's no formality and polite. He's the opposite of Tony Blinken. Is he connected to Jeffrey you know? Epstein? Some say. I doubt it. You want a good segue? You're talking about the foreign there's policy. There's a picture picks? of him in Epstein's townhouse. Well, that, that would be, be that would be yeah. something. Well, there is such a picture. So he's, he's fully clothed. Hmm. <laughs> the um. So, are there other cabinet picks in your bailiwick? Well, I think Mayorkas is is the big one. Wait, remind us, Mayorkas is Mayorkas is, is oh Homeland Security, a, Homeland Security, big job, graduate of yeah. Beverly High. Oh, right, a uh, distinguished like you, distinguished alumnus. All my friends from Beverly High know him and like him. He he's he's very you know he's very very pro amnesty uh in the sense of like remember there's a there was a meeting in LA after the gang of eight bill failed and he said well we're going to do we're going to get the amnesty some other way okay we have other tricks we can pull and he pulled a bunch of the tricks he had the daca you know the the dreamers and but he, he absolutely there's no substitute for an actual amnesty mm-hmm. but his, his main thing is he's a he's a um not only is he really soft on immigration the question is is he really not soft at the end of the day, is he going to do what's necessary to stop the surge that's coming? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also seems to be sort of semi-corrupt in that he did these favors with this very corrupt program that gives investors uh, green cards in exchange for investments, and the Kushners use it to build hotels. And uh, mm. uh, there, there, you know, Terry McAuliffe started a car company, which was basically a scam to get money from Chinese people who wanted to be citizens to invest in this car company, which went bankrupt. And, and Mallorcas went out of the way to speed, speed the approval of these deals. You know, there are, there are some, 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 some criteria that's supposed to bring jobs to the community there. And they, you know, they, 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 they're supposed to go to underdeveloped areas Well, they built the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills using the money. So how underdeveloped does the area have to be? But you have to at least get some rubber stamp approval. 
And Terry McAuliffe sort of had trouble because they didn't quite believe that this was a viable proposition. And so Mayorkas went to bat for him. So he does favors for Democratic bigwigs. And the Republicans are going to go after him, I think, and contest the nomination. And I think he might not get through. Hmm, hmm. If the Republicans all hold tight and they have a majority, you know, that he doesn't get through. So hmm. um, that, that could be a first flashpoint for Biden. Uh uh, and I'm not, it's not clear to me that Biden knew, unless he, unless he has no vetting at all, he knew it. But it's not clear to me that he knew that yeah. he was picking this sort of fight. The uh, yeah, I, I think the the foreign policy pick, Secretary of State Tony Blinken and uh, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor. Well, only one of those has to go through sen- the Senate, right? But uh, I think. In principle, on ideological grounds, Blinken should be okay in the Senate because he is, uh, you know, he and Sullivan, they're both blobsters, card-carrying members of the blob, uh, certainly not as far left or at least as as uh, dovish as some of us might have hoped. I would have much rather seen William Burns as Secretary of State. Um, so on those grounds, I don't think you'll have a problem. The, um, I mean, <laughs> Steve Bannon is claiming that, uh, Tony Blinken's gonna have a Hunter Biden problem. But then, but then after he said that, the New York Post read this, uh, ran this totally lame piece about a couple of Hunter, uh, Blinken emails that amount to absolutely nothing at but all, there, as far as I can tell. But, but there is an Epstein connection, Bob. This is <laughs> I, our saw, third, I, I saw that. There's our third Epstein connection of this episode. People have been complaining that we haven't talked enough about Epstein. Bring it on. Uh, Apparently, Blinken's stepfather was uh, was the lawyer for Robert Maxwell, who was Jelaine Maxwell's father, allegedly an agent of the Mossad, who who disappeared overboard from his yacht shortly after talking to Blinken's stepfather. There's no mm-hmm. evidence that, that I know of that Blinken has anything to do with this, but it, it is an Epstein connection. Uh, so I thought I should bring it up. For our viewers, you're doing your duty. Do yeah, Epstein connection. I don't see. I'm compromised on Blinken because I know him. He's very good friends. Oh, do you know friends him? of mine? I've been to Seder at his house once. Very gracious man. Very nice guy. Don't say too much. Let's I, save some for the parrot room here. I, anyway, I'm compromised. People should just know I'm not going to go after this guy, Hammer and Tongs. Not outside of the parrot room. You're not. Probably not inside the parrot room. We'll yet, see. But... We'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, here's so I would a question. think he would sail through. Here's a question. I agree. Biden knows Blinken and Sullivan very well, has worked with them very closely. Now, oddly, when they unveiled the national security team, they did not unveil a secretary of defense. By some accounts, that's because the, the, the person considered the favorite, Michelle Flournoy, uh, has run into trouble at the last minute among it. I mean, part of it would be opposition from the left, which God knows she deserves. But apparently part of the issue reportedly is that Biden doesn't know her as well as he knows the other two. And here's a question. Uh, Biden's cognitive status, a subject we've discussed before. Do you think it is um, it disposes him and those around him who are choosing the cabinet and the advisory team to strongly favor people that have been with him a long time, they're reliable, he knows them very well. Do you get my drift? Yes, it also may favor them not giving him information that he maybe needs and oversimplifying it uh, in in a sense of, you know, 
you know, maybe he doesn't have the bandwidth to handle a vast complexity of considerations about Michel Flournoy. Uh, Wait, you're I, saying, just, so you're saying that even now... speculation. Okay, but these are two separate issues. What I'm yes. saying is... Um, I understand. You're yeah, making a separate it, point. You, you yeah, would want, yeah. like, you know, you would want, you would want trusted, uh, uh, you know, anyway. Walter Shapiro tweeted last night that, why is my inbox overflowing with people telling me how wonderful Michelle Flournoy is? That would indicate that she's in trouble and people, she's ginned up a sort of gossip email yeah. campaign defending her. She also has the problem that, uh, you know, Biden's pissed off the left enough here. Is he, does he really want to piss him off even more with his Defense Department choice? And third, she was in this consulting firm with Tony Blinken. West so exec. That, that would mean the two most mm-hmm. important foreign policy positions both came from the same consulting firm, which is not something that it's a swampy thing. You know, you go out, you leave government, you start a consulting firm, you do some business with the Chinese, I believe, or or that has to do with easing people's, ent- you know, easing Americans' entry into China, at least. Uh, Wait, you mean West and, Exec, their consulting yeah. firm did that? Well, maybe, but more I broadly. Some, it's not something Biden wants to call attention to, that my entire administration comes from this one possibly swampy consulting firm. Well, also, so, West Exec, they refused to disclose their clients. Now, it was co-founded by Michelle Flournoy and Tony Blinken. So, uh, and, and they refuse to disclose their clients. They acknowledge that some of them are in the defense business. Well, I would like to see all of them. You know, if I'm going to judge the behavior of either Tony Blinken or Michelle Flournoy, as it affects various defense contractors and so on, I would love to be able to see what this client list was. So far, West Exec has refused to disclose it. I would think in some senators might uh, ask it during confirmation hearings Maybe. that it be disclosed. It's possible that the chi- if they, the China thing was just uh, accusations on the right and not not proven. Then I'm sorry. Didn't uh, if they haven't revealed their client list, who knows what they did? But uh, so that could, that could be another a third reason why he's postponing her. So. And the fourth reason would be to pit, would be to piss you off. Ugh, she's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she is the military-industrial complex embodied in a single human being. This this thing's about to go off here. Okay, so I've got to. Uh, I want to say um, there's something I wanted to say about blogging heads. First of all, we'll continue this in the parrot room. Yeah, right. But the part I've got to say out here, just because it addresses some complaints from. Uh, Blogging heads, commenters, and let's see if I can um, quickly find a couple of them. We should induce people to follow us into the parrot room because we have a whole list of topics. Oh, explosive. They are explosive topics. So we're going to keep talking about it in the parrot room. We just run out of time here. It's so explosive. That's what kills me is the explosiveness. (laughs) The um, Anyway, yes. No, the parrot room is relevant to all this because what I want to say is – uh, the, we got some complaints from uh, Blogging Heads commenters about uh, the fact that the Glenn Show, which is on the Blogging Heads TV network, Glenn Lowry Show. Um, uh, I mean, first of all, Glenn has established a Patreon, and we collaborated with with uh, Glenn on that. As part of that, um, the, uh, the we ran. Uh, so, so Glenn is, you know, he's. Uh, He's producing, first of all, some content that's only available to patrons. You're familiar with that concept. That's what our parrot room is for people who want to go to patreon.com 
slash parrot room um, and contribute to our cause. But um, anyway, so Glenn, he has exclusive content that's for patrons only. And in addition to that, you know, he and John are having John McWhorter, uh, his his well-known partner in crime, are having um, two conversations a month. And we we took a, a long excerpt from one and put it out in public and said, if you want to see the whole thing now, you got to be a patron. We will put the whole thing online for everyone in a couple of days, in two or three days or whatever. And that's going to be something that Glenn does. So this led to complaints on Blogging Heads uh, from people uh, like, wait, you're putting things on the Blogging Head site that aren't even the whole conversation. Let me say that I think probably that was in a way a glitch. In the future, we will put those uh, kind of sneak preview things on the YouTube channel, but maybe not on the Blogging Head site. So that's um, the response to that. Um, let me, I, I want to back up and say something about the status of Blogging Heads. So you and I and Greg Dingle started Blogging Heads 15 years ago. Then, um, and, and I want to talk about that more in the parrot room. I want to reminisce. I want to reminisce. Um, uh, for a while, we tried to, um, I started an LLC, tried to make it a going venture, didn't work. Um, and, and, and then for the last 10 years, it's been on essentially a, a philanthropic foundation. I started the non-zero foundation for that. Um, the philanthropic model no longer works in, ter- in terms of, of grants from, um, from, you know, kind of foundations. I mean, we have gotten a couple of non-huge ones this year, but that's clearly, going to peter out because what we do is no longer unusual, right? I, I mean, it's not like we're the only way to get, you know, to, to, to get at a, at a certain um, kind of subject matter that a foundation wants to see attention given to right. or anything like that. So we are having to, you know, it, it, you know, I hope that we can continue doing what we do, uh, both our conversations the other conversations I do on the right show, and then the other conversations on the Blogging Heads platform, uh, you know, like DMZ, the Glenn Show, and so on, um, uh, and you know, technically on uh, Meaning of Life TV of the Philosophy Show, uh, Sophia. But you know, that's also part of the Blogging Heads family, uh, broadly speaking. But we do have to move to a, a crowd funding model, and. Um, that's why you and I keep making these appeals for patreon.com slash parrot room. I certainly encourage uh, people to support uh, Glenn's um, Patreon and, uh, um, you know, which some of which uh, does go to help the, the, the foundation and the blind heads stuff broadly. Um, and, uh, and then there's also, if you Google blogging, uh, Patreon and Non-Zero Foundation, you can contribute to its enterprises broadly, including, you know, all the audio video stuff, the Non-Zero newsletter and so on. Um, so that uh, is the backdrop for what Glenn is doing. It's been very successful. Glenn has a, a deservedly large following. Yeah. Um, the uh, Now, somebody on the in the Blogging Heads comment raised the uh, comment section raised the question of like, well, shouldn't you have a, a way to just get all of the bonus content for any blogging heads thing by by paying a certain amount of money at 
the non-zero foundation level. Um, we haven't figured out a way to do that, but it's an interesting idea. I just want to let people know we we, we hear that question. We'll think about it. There are, there are complications associated with it. My, not, my general philosophy on all these things is keep it simple, stupid. Which would be what? A separate Patreon for each show? Or, no, or? just keep it the way it is. You, you you want Glenn, you subscribe to Glenn. You want us, you subscribe to us. Right. You know, two options. That's it. Yeah. No no special package deals. Blah 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 blah. But 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 there is a reason why there are special package deals. So I. Yeah, if it were know. easy to do, but there there are complications we need to get if into I, here. If I had my way, Amazon never would have come up with Prime. You pay for the shipping every time you buy the article. Really? What's this, I mean, what's this? What's this bullshit about, you know, you pay once a year and you get all this stuff for free? Too complicated. Anyway. That's funny. You you actually consider that complicated? It simplifies no, life. No, it actually is simplifying, yes. But I'm trying to come up with an example of why I'm a bad businessman. <laughs> well, that, I think you and I have both pr- provided plenty of evidence over yeah. the years yeah. of being bad business people. Yeah. Anyway. So we don't need to we don't need to do that. We do need to um Thank people who have stuck with us for, you know, there are people who have been watching, who have been watching, keeping an eye on, on our content for low these 15 years. That's amazing. Uh, Thank you. Are you going to name them now? <laughs> no. I mean, oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I you hear from them every once in a while on Twitter or something. They say, I, I've been watching this since I was, you know, uh, in kindergarten and now I'm on Medicare and, you know, that kind of thing. I thought you were going to roll the credits where we list all their names, but no. Well, there are, there, there are so many people who have helped us over the years. I mean, people helping us now are, um, you know, the aforementioned Aria Cohen-Wade, who's been with us a very long time. Um, you know, Nikita Petrov, Colleen Smith, Mark Sussman, and, and, uh, so on. Um, uh, new, new form, new, new person who's helping me on the foreign policy parts of the newsletter, Connor Eccles and so on. But, but, you know, we could go way back to the original staff. We would only do that in the parrot room. You know, when you start mentioning Brenda and Sang and Brian and, you know, geez, could go on forever. Okay. Well, uh, we've overshot our limit. I know. But not by that much. Not by as much as an hour past. 10. So we're, we're kind of proud of our performance this week. So now on to the parrot room. Uh, and uh, smash that like button, rate us, review us. Is there anything I've missed? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, um, no. Okay. So I will see you in the parrot room. See you, Bob. <laughs> That'll get him there. <laughs>